Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Just passing the test. Tell your neighbor, I'm passing the test. No. You sound about as excited as I get when it comes to tests. Tell your neighbor, I'm passing the test. Amen. We're going to preach together this morning. I'm passing the test. I'm passing the test. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to share this word, and, and as, we, as we dive into it, um, I preached at, towards the end of last year, kind of in the fall of last year, I preached about a message that God had laid on my heart entitled, This is Only a Test. And uh, I believe it was an on-time word for the season of life that we were in. And I believe that this is a word that follows, uh, that kind of follows in line with that revelation that God shared with me uh, for us as the church, for us as believers. Life is full of tests. Spend any time alive and somebody will test you. Growing up, going through life, going through your day-to-day... There are tests and many more tests in every season, in every stage, in every, in every part of our life. Life is, is full of tests. And, and the beautiful thing about Jesus and his love for us and the Holy Spirit that he's made available to us is that God's not called us to just survive the test. He's called us to pass the test, to surpass the test with, uh, an, exceeding, with an exceeding grade, to experience only, not only the survival of that test, but to also thrive in the middle of those tests, to see the plans and the purposes and the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. This life, this world is not our home. The word constantly reminds us that this world is not all there is, that this life is not all there is, that there is something more for us if we will say yes to Jesus and step into the life, step into the purpose, step into the promise and the plan that God has for us, we will see the fulfillment of God's word and his promise. I love the way that, uh, that David put it in Psalm 139 this morning. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, and even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell your neighbor, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a, it's a mouthful. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me. You who are bloodthirsty, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me and the way everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your presence in this place today. And in the places of all those that are joining us online, I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would have your way in this place, that you would speak to our hearts everything that we need to hear from you today. I pray for fresh revelation from heaven. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move across the hearts of each person today, Lord, to bring forth whatever they need, whether it be salvation, healing, deliverance, provision. God, I pray that they would hear from heaven. God, that they would sense your presence like never before in their life, and that, God, we would leave this time together knowing that we have heard from you, that we have met with you, that we have encountered you today. God, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When it comes to passing the tests that we face in our life and passing the tests that, that we're uh, that, that are presented to us in life, there are, uh, there are a number of different things, a number of different avenues that, that tests ultimately come. I, I think back to, obviously, school, most of us do, when we had tests over what we had learned or tests over what we had studied. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but how many of you hate taking a test? Yeah. The saints of God in the house. How many of you love taking a test? Anybody up there? There's one, two. Yeah, y'all are special from the Lord. That's what y'all are. Y'all are on a level that we can't get on, but we're trying every single day. Amen. I can't, I can't do it. I hate, I hate taking tests. You know why I hate taking tests? Because nine times out of ten, I know exactly what it is, but I second guess myself when I get there. Anybody else that way? You second guess, you know, you, you heard what the teacher said. You read, you studied, you didn't just show up and hope for something. There are some people that can do that, and I'm amazed by them too. Uh, you know, but you studied and you listened and you, you paid attention and you took notes and you get to the test and then all of a sudden you find yourself going, this is the answer. And then you read it again and you go, well, maybe that's the answer. And then you read it again, well, maybe that's the answer. Well, maybe the answer that I answered was the wrong answer, and I should go with the other answer. You ever been there? <laughs> and you find yourself going back through all of your questions, and you, find, you get frustrated, you get overwhelmed, you get flustered. You know, a lot of times the tests that we face in our everyday life are the same way. And there, there, are, there are multiple different kinds of tests that we face. There are tests from the Lord, tests from life, and tests, or as I like to call them, temptations from the enemy. So there's tests that we have, so there's multiple tests that we have, there are multiple tests that we face in our life every single day as believers. And so we have tests from the Lord, we have tests from life, we have tests from the enemy, we have temptations from the enemy. And all of those tests, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. 
See, the enemy would have you to believe that God has left you and I in a place where we don't have the ability to discern, where we don't have the ability to properly, to properly uh, evaluate what, what has been presented before us and that we don't have the knowledge or the wisdom or the understanding to be able to navigate the tests that have been presented before us. But the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about the Lord is that through the Holy Spirit, He reminds us of what God's Word has said he reminds us of what God's word has declared, of what God's word has spoken, and he positions us to be able to not only discern the tests that are in front of us, but also has given us the keys and the ability to be able to pass the test, not just to survive the test, but to pass the test with, with a flying grade, to be able to experience the blessings of what happens in passing the test. God hasn't just called us. Uh, God hasn't just called us to merely survive. I say this time and time again in our church, and, and try to remind us all. God hasn't called us to just survive. God's called us to thrive in this life. The enemy would have you and I to, to live in a place where we're constantly just trying to survive. But as believers, we moved from that when our old man was buried in Christ and our new man came to life in Christ. What happened in that moment is we went from living in the constant state of just trying to survive to experiencing the abundance of the love and the presence and the power of Jesus in our life in a way where we can experience a peace that surpasses understanding, a hope that is living, as 1 Peter chapter 1 reminds us into the understanding of even though my life may have some tests, even though I may be facing some trials and some circumstances and some situations, this is not the defining factor of my life, the defining moment of my life, because ultimately no matter what test I face or what trial I may go through or what difficulty I may be up against, I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I have the hope and the the promise of eternal life with him, one that can never perish, spoil, or fade, so I can rest in knowing who I am as a child of God and experience the peace and the presence and the power of God in my life today. The enemy does whatever he can in the tests of our life to get us to second guess what God has said, to second guess what God's plan is for us, to second guess what God's purpose is for us, to try to isolate us into a place of fear, to isolate us in a place of worry, to keep us in a place of bondage so that we can never walk in the freedom and the anointing and the calling and the purposes and the destinies that God has given us. Friends, if you are alive today in this room, or if you are alive today and you're joining us online, then God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are not an accident or a mistake. And there is not an accident or a mistake in your life that can keep you from the redeeming power of Jesus Christ and God taking what the enemy intended to use for evil, what the enemy what the enemy intended to destroy you, what the enemy intended to harm you, what the enemy intended to kill you, to turn and use that for the glory and the goodness of God, to see his kingdom come and his will being done, and your life, and your home, and your marriage, and your family, and your finances today. I'm here to remind every single one of us in this place today that this is not only just a test, but God's called you and I to pass it, and to see his kingdom come, and his will being done in our lives. I 
I am convinced that the best is yet to come in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in our city, in our nation, in the world. Why? Because Jesus has yet to sound the trumpet and He's still pouring out His Spirit on the earth and He's still calling those who are lost into the hope, into the love, into the freedom, into the joy of His presence. So I may be in some tests and I may be going through some trials, but it's only because God is strategically positioning and that God is strategically preparing and that God is strategically doing what He does to bring about the fulfillment of His plan and His promises. Tell your neighbor, I'm passing the test. The enemy would have you believe that God's best has already happened in your life and the end is there. Friends, I'm here to tell you that in those moments, remind the enemy that the greatest thing that you could ever attain on this earth is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus, you have everything. Three things I want to share with you about how we pass the test, how we are passing the test as believers. And number one is to realize the purpose of the test. To realize the purpose of the test. In every test that you face in life, in every test that you face in life, there are two elements to this. And I put these in the notes this morning. One is the enemy intends to demote you. The other is that God intends to promote you. And what I mean by that is, is, is not, in the, not just in the, in, the, in the physical or in the natural, tangible ways that we talk about promotion. What I'm talking about is spiritually as God grows and matures us. A test is administered in school to a student to assess where they are and what they've learned. Yeah, we're all excited about that. I heard what you said. How do I know that you heard what I said? Let's have a test. Let's test and see if you remember what I've said. God did it with, God did it with, the, with the children of Israel after, they, after he had brought them out of Egypt. And you see that in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 15 and, and verse number 25. And, and God takes the children of Israel to a place where he leads them to. They've been three days in the wilderness after they'd crossed to the Red Sea. Mind you, God had done all these plagues in Egypt. See, the, this isn't the fun part of the message. We're going to get there, though. See, oftentimes the tests that God presents to us are the moments for us to remember who He is and what He's done. So the tests often are to test what we are, what we are relying on, what we are depending upon, what we are focusing on, what we're deriving our, our strength, our responses, our attitudes to. What happened for the children of Israel is God delivered them out of bondage. He delivered them out of slavery. He called them out of that. They witnessed the plagues that God sent to convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. Then they find themselves surrounded by Pharaoh's army with a Red Sea that's, uh, that's in front of them, the army that's surrounded them. The only way out is through. God makes a way through, destroys the enemy that's pursuing them, and for three days they go off into the wilderness, off into this journey, and they have, they have no water. And so for three days, I'm sure not quite as hot as it is here, Man, it's hot. It's like it's turned into a rainforest around here. I can't walk outside with my glasses fogging without my glasses fogging up. It's crazy. But they, they, they're, they're in this hot, dry place with what they can carry and what they can move for three days. And they, come to a, they finally come to this body of water, this place where they can get water, where they can have a drink where they can refresh themselves to continue the journey that's, in, that's before them. 
and the water's bitter. You ever had a day like that? Where it was just one thing after the next? It was like, finally, and then you get what you thought was finally, and it finally wasn't it. And what happened in that moment is the people began to grumble and complain to Moses. How quickly we forget in the trials and the tests of our life the faithfulness of God as our provider, as our protector, as our deliverer, as our salvation, as our redeemer, and who he is. God, and if you read that passage, God tested the people in that place. He tested the people in that moment. He turned the bitter waters ultimately sweet. God provided for them, but ultimately what God was doing was testing and assessing. Have you listened to what I have shown you? Have you listened to what I've revealed to you? Have you listened to what I've been positioning you? See, what happens in the tests of our life and in the tests and the journeys of our life as believers is that God's intention for us is always to be promoted. Uh, the tests in our life are about going to the next level with the Lord. The reason that those tests are administered throughout school is so that we can progress to the next level of education that we need, the next level, the next next experience that we need to be able to have in order to achieve a high school education, in order to be able to have that diploma. What happens when we go through that process and those series of tests tells those that are our teachers if we are prepared for the next level of assignments that are being presented to us. So that what happens is we don't find ourselves actually being grades behind, overwhelmed with the information and what's in front of us, and being unable to process, being unable to handle, being unable to pursue. And so the the Lord knows this, so that's why he sent the Holy Spirit, and it's why in the seasons of our life when we find ourselves in tests, we have an opportunity to discern with the help of the Holy Spirit in this moment what God is doing. Because oftentimes, even the, t- even the trials or the temptations of the enemy or the trials and the temptations of life are moments where God is teaching us something. Our, our family always, this was something that we always said, and, and I feel like I heard it a million times, especially, uh, especially as a teenager, and Haley will probably remember this too. Mom and dad would constantly tell us, you know, this is a test. God's testing you. I think there was one day I looked at mom and I said, I'm done with tests. Like, I don't want another test. Tell God I'm through. And she was like, are you sure that's what you want? Because what God's teaching you in this moment is preparing you for the next season of your life. What God, what God wants for us as believers is to be in a place where we are teachable, where we've positioned ourselves to learn from Him so that we can step into all that He has for us. But if we step into all that He has for us without the education, without the revelation, without the teaching and the understanding, without the wisdom of what God has positioned, we will take what God gives us and make a mess of it. And God does not pour out His glory. He does not pour out His blessing. Blessings. He does not pour out his favor. He does not pour out the things that he does in our lives without making sure that we understand how to take that and steward it and steward it well. So what happens in the tests of our life is that God is preparing us. He's maturing us. He's growing us so that we understand how to handle what it is that he's given us with wisdom, with love, with grace, with mercy, with the humility, with an obedient spirit, one that's willing to follow the Lord and to trust the Lord and to see the goodness and the blessings of God happen in our life. The enemy would have you and I rather take the attitude that I had and say, I don't want another test. And you know, that's just what the children of Israel got. 40 years in the wilderness. I've said it before. I don't want to die in the wilderness. I want to make it to the promised land. 
I want to step into all that God has. So I want to go through the tests that I need to go through and take the notes that I need to take and study what I need to study and go through the processes that I need to go through so that I can step into the fulfillment of the promises of God. And what happens when I put myself in a position of humbling myself to say, God, I realize that this test is a moment to move, a moment for you to work, a moment for you to do what only you can do. It's the moment that God begins teaching, that God begins training, that God begins showing me who I am in Him and what He's called me to do, what He's positioned me to do, what He's purposed me to do in my life. Secondly, if I'm passing the test, I have to remember what God says and stop second guessing. Tell your neighbor, stop second guessing. We struggle with this in America big time. When it comes to the passing the test that God's given us in our lives, we've got to remember what He says about us. Remember what His Word says about us. Remember what His promises are in our lives. And realize that the second guessings are oftentimes the temptations of the enemy to stop passing the test that God has given us and to live in the test for the rest of our lives. God has not called us to live in a place where we're constantly overwhelmed by the tests and the trials of our life, but to truly be overwhelmed by His presence, His glory, and His goodness in our life. So what happens in the test is I remember what God says about who I am, about what God's Word says about my life. I am a child of God. I've been called out of darkness and into light. His Word says there is healing. His Word says there is provision. His Word says there is protection. His Word says that if I seek Him, that I'll find Him. He said that if I'll seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then everything that I have need of will be brought in Him. So what I'm going to do in this season, in this test, in this trial, some Somebody here this morning, somebody that's joined us online today, you're in the test and the trial and the difficulty of your life, and the enemy is doing everything that he can to get you to second guess who God is, what he's called you to do, what his plans, his purpose, and his purposes and his promises are for your life. And I'm here to tell you today that as you continue to trust God, as you continue to remember what his word says, remember who he's called you to be and what he has promised, what he has destined, what he has purposed, what he has planned, if you'll hold fast and you'll hold true to that and stop allowing the lies of the enemy and the doubts of the enemy and the fear and the worry and the anxiety to be the controller of your heart and trust the Lord and seek him first. Watch as God steps into the middle of the test that you're in and begins to bring about the healing and the salvation and the freedom and the deliverance that your life needs. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, God didn't just call us to survive this life. He called us to thrive. So I I may be in a test and I may be in a trial and I may be in a storm today, but I'm here to tell you that I'm passing this test and in the middle of it all, I'm going to give him glory and I'm going to give him praise and I'm going to take one note after the next because in a moment, in just a little while, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to step into the middle of my test, into the middle of all that's happening, into the middle of all that's taking place and I'm going to see this test turn into a testimony of the faithfulness and the goodness of God and to be able to tell every person that I know that my God is for me and that he's not against me, that he's never left me, that even in the valley he was there, even in the presence of my enemies, he was there. He supplied every need that I had, even when I thought I was at the end, even when I thought I didn't have anything left. I was just in a moment, just in a second when I thought it was all over, he showed up and did 
what only He could do. I am passing this test. I'm watching His goodness and His glory come to pass. Remember what God says and stop second guessing. Job said it in, in 23, chapter 10. Talk about a test. Job had a test. And he said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. In every test and in every trial and every season and every situation, every moment, my life belongs to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is not a thing in or out of this world that can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 8, 28 through 30 says. And so I choose to stand fast on what God's word and what his promise is and to realize this may be a test unlike any other that I've been through in my life, but I know that I know what God has said. And I know that I know that God is working on my behalf. And so I refuse to second guess what his word and what his promise is. And I refuse to trust in what he said and what he's spoken. You know, for me personally, in every, in every one of those moments on a test where I would stop second-guessing myself, I would always score better. Because what I had studied and what I had prepared for and what I had remembered, when I trusted, what, when I had trusted that, and instead of positioning myself to second-guess, it changed the outcome of that. Why? Because in second-guessing, we're fearing what? We're fearing failure. We're, we're, we're fearing uh, not having the, the score, not having the, the outcome that, that we've worked so hard for, that we've studied so hard for. The thing I love about the test of life is that I can trust in Jesus and take what God has said and the revelation that God has given, and I can position myself to hear what God is saying and trust in that, and I can stop the second guessing and shut the enemy down by reminding him of what the Word of God says, what the Word of God has, what the Word of God has purposed, what the Word of God has intended for my life. Thirdly, this morning, how can I pass the test? I have to rely on the source. Not a source. The source. Tell your neighbor, the source. Because this test is open book. I love open book tests. Don't you? I love open book tests. Give me an open book test, I'll ace that dude. I might be there a minute, but I'm going to find the answers. Amen? Give me an open book test. I'll take it any time. Connor, what are you talking about? What open book? The Bible, the Word of God, the living Word of God. Not just some book, not just an old book, not just a bestseller, but the book, the written Word of God that's been inspired by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, written from generation to generation. The Word of God. This book that God has given us, this Word that God has given us, holds within it the wisdom and the keys, the answers that I need, and every test and every situation in every trial of my life, whatever I'm up against and whatever I'm facing, if I go to the Word of God and I begin to read, I begin to hear testimonies of those who've been through tests like I've been through, of what God has done and how God led them through and how God positioned and prepared and how God revealed and restored and redeemed. And what happens in those moments as I begin taking the Word of God and I begin in the moments where the enemy would cause me to second guess to say, no, but let me remind 
gives you what the Word says. And it's in those moments of the tests and the uncertain moments when I have to make split-second decisions that I can pause just long enough for the Holy Spirit to bring back to remembrance what God has said, what His Word has said, what His Word has established, and what His Word has promised for my life. I love an open book test. They're my favorite. Right after that is multiple choice. Don't seem to second guess too much on those. What I hate is fill in the blank. Sorry. I'm giving you the answers this morning, though. Rely on the source. The test is open book. My teacher always said this. A good teacher won't be able to teach you all the answers to everything in life, but they will be able to teach you how to find all the answers you need in life. My teacher was my mom. Wise woman who spoke truth and wisdom because she wasn't just talking about the education that we had, but she was talking about our spiritual education and training that God was, God was doing in our lives. And man, was she right. Because time and time again, I can go back in the trials and the tests of life and I can find the Word of God. I can find the testimonies of those who have gone before us those who have said yes to Jesus and followed in obedience to the plans and the purposes and the will of God. I, I love, I think nobody faced the test quite like Abraham did. And I think Abraham had some pretty intense and some pretty serious tests because, after all, he's, con, he's considered the father of, of a nation, the father of, of, of Israel, God's chosen people. So there were some pretty extensive things that God wanted to make sure were established in the heart and the bloodline and the DNA of the people that he had chosen. So there's a series of tests that God takes Abraham through. We know God calls him to follow him without knowing where he was going. You ever been on one of those adventures with Jesus? God just says, take this job, go here, do this, do that. And you think, what's this going to look like? We start second-guessing what God has said and what happens. We miss out on the blessing of what God's established. Abraham's obedience positioned him to become the father, not just of the nation of Israel, but of many nations. God told him, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. And the Lord hasn't failed in fulfilling that promise, and he hasn't stopped. God's still fulfilling that promise today. Because of Abraham's obedience, Abraham followed the test that God had given him, and as a result, he passed the test and witnessed the promise. But part of that, part of that you know, whole thing of what God had promised him meant that he had to have kids at some point. And we know what happens when Abraham and Sarah decided to try to make it work on their own. That was a mess. Still is. Connor, what are you talking about? Go to Genesis and read and watch. And if you look at history today and you ask the Holy Spirit to show you, He'll connect the dots for you. Why? Because when we choose to do it our way or to try to make it happen for God or we try to cheat the test, cheating never paid off. Maybe in the moment, but in the long run, it's a disaster. So what happens? So what happens? God redeems, and God fulfills His word, and God fulfills His promise. And so Abraham and Sarah have their son. He's a hundred, and Sarah's Abraham's a hundred. Sarah's ninety. Yeah, dear Jesus is right. Amen. 
And so they find themselves with a child. And finally, the promise has come to pass. And God's goodness and, and his faithfulness in spite of their mess. I'm thankful that he loves me in spite of my mess. And that he, and that he helps me when I try to take matters into my own hands. <laughs> and that he redeems and that he restores. He's good like that. But then we come to this part in Genesis and, and, and we find in, in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 1 where God tests Abraham. And God tells Abraham one day, he says, I want you to take your son and I want you to head to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. I've waited all this time and I'm finally at this moment. What was happening? God was testing Abraham's heart. He was testing his willingness and his obedience and ultimately his trust in the Lord. And you know what I love about Abraham? And I think this is the powerful testimony of Abraham's life. I don't think for a moment that Abraham ever doubted or second-guessed how good God was, how awesome God was, or how powerful he was. And I think the, I think the element, the, the exposure of that comes from when Abraham and Isaac are headed up the mountain. And his son looks to him and he says to his father, he says, Well, we have the wood... And we have the fire, and we have the knife, but where's the sacrifice? And we're all thinking, uh-oh. And I love his father's response, and he says, God will provide. Not for a moment did Abraham second guess the provision of God. God will provide. I think Abraham was convinced that at just the right moment, God was going to step in. Because I think Abraham had been through enough tests in his life to know how perfect and how good God's timing is and how true and how faithful God is to fulfill his word and to fulfill his promise and his purposes in our lives. I love what, uh, I love what 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9 through 9 says. This is, uh, this is what it says. And I'm going to try to read this the best I can. Do we have this on the screen? Thank you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you don't have 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3 underlined in your Bible or highlighted on your phone, you need to. Because the difference between a believer and an unbeliever is the difference between the type of hope that we have. See, the hope of the world is based on, it's a conditional hope, it's based on the outcomes or the expectations of what we perceive or what we uh, hope or what we are trying to achieve or gain this side of heaven. But the beautiful thing about the, the, the Word of God and for us as believers is in verse number 3 is that because of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. See, my hope's no longer conditional based on the good times or the bad times of my life. Based on my expectations or my hopes or my dreams as I understand them or as I define them to be coming to pass. My hope is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? Because not even death has power over the hope that's living inside of me. Something powerful happens when hope comes alive inside of us. Why? Because it changes our attitude. It changes our perspective. It changes the way that we react and the way that we respond to the situations and the circumstances of our life. Verse number four, he says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. No matter what comes my way, I win because he won. So no matter what happens today or tomorrow, I have a hope that is alive and well because it's been protected by the King of kings and the Lord of lords and has been secured by Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the test that I find myself in life, instead of being affected by the unexpected and by the unknown and by the uncertain of what's happening or what's taking place in my life, I have this peace that surpasses all understanding and this joy that's inexpressible because it comes from a living hope that I've received from a Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ who conquered death, hell, and the grave and sent his Holy Spirit to live within me. So each and every day I'm walking in the purposes and the plans and the promises of God, even when I don't see it and even when I don't feel it and even when I don't know how it's all going to happen and how it's all going to come to pass. I know what his word has said and I know what his promise is. So I lift my voice in praise and I lift my voice in worship and I continue to pray and I continue to seek first because I know that he is faithful to fulfill his word and his promises and that every answer that I need, he's made available for my life. There's no better teacher than Jesus Christ. There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit that he's given us in our lives. And when we position ourselves to hear from heaven, the amazing thing is, is that while we may not have all the answers to life and there's no one on this earth that does, And while there's nothing that contains all the answers to life, we know the one who knows everything there is to know about life because he created it from the very beginning. And we get to walk and talk with him every single day and experience his glory, his goodness, his presence, and his promises in our lives. Tell your neighbor, I'm passing the test. In every situation, in every circumstance, in every trial, I'm watching as the goodness and the faithfulness and the glory of God comes to pass in my life. So I may be in a test today. You may be in a test today. But be reminded that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to pass this test. You're going to survive this test. You're going to survive this trial. You're going to survive this storm. The enemy would have you to believe otherwise. But the word of God and the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and your pastor today is here to remind you that we are passing this test. And that as we continue to trust the Lord and follow after him wholeheartedly and respond in obedience to what he said, we are going to see his kingdom come and his will being done on the earth.